Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers. Rod and I are going to talk a little football on this Saturday afternoon with you. Uh, you know, Jerry Hamilton normally does the quarterback room with Rod. Right. Jerry is on the road uh, for recruiting this weekend. Uh, Rod and I said, hey, we'll, we'll, I'll step in for him. Uh, Rod and I can talk a little bit about it. Uh, in this episode on the quarterback room, uh, the guys normally talk about the previous week's performance of the quarterback. Obviously, Quinn Ewers last week uh, goes to uh, the Cotton Bowl, delivers a really bad performance in one quarter, and then balls out the rest of the way. Uh, really finishes 31 of 30, uh, 37 for 346 yards, one TD, hmm. and two interceptions. Uh, Rod, you wow. know, slowly but surely, we're seeing Quinn Ewers mature as a quarterback, and with it, the Texas offense is starting to mature as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, first of all, I have watched quarterbacks, and by the way, players too. Let me throw myself in there, right, as a young player. I remember having bad plays early in the game, just, you know, two, three bad plays, and then you let it spiral. Um, you get in your own head, bad attitude about it, and you kind of let it spiral into having a bad game. Two or three bad plays become a bad game for you. Um, and trust me, I've done that. My, my boy Sims, it's happened to him before too. Uh, I'll give credit to Sark, and I'll give credit to Quinn. That was extremely impressive because that the start was a bad start. I mean, that was as bad as it gets for a start. It looked like it could have been one of those big games where your star quarterback just is in quicksand, can't work their way out of it. And we can see those things become kind of a landslide, especially in the Texas OU game. And it didn't have that didn't happen. Quinn came out after that second pick. And the second pick might have been more devastating and heartbreaking than the first one um, because it was in the red zone. And I'll give Sark credit because he that means he knows his quarterback, knows how to get him in a rhythm. He got him back going, got him back in some plays that he was confident in. And then Quinn, honestly, for the last three quarters of that game, I mean, that will be draft highlight film stuff, man. He looked fantastic. He looked great. And I guarantee you some scouts, not all scouts, some scouts will be impressed with his grit and his fortitude to fight back after that bad game because everybody's going to have bad throws and make bad decisions. And that was a the first one was a really bad one because he saw that one, Bobby. He saw that that first interception. He did. You can watch him double clutch it, and he decides to throw it. My hypothesis, I think he decided to throw it because that was part of the, the script. And all week long, it's been programmed. It's open. It's going to be open. It's going to be open. It'll be open. Just throw it. And he 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 didn't throw it on time. But the reason he didn't throw it on time because he thought it was going to get picked, and then he hesitated. And it ultimately ended up getting picked. So I think the maturity factor in him, um, he won't make that kind of mistake again. I think rather he just hold it and, you know, end up swallowing it or throw it away or whatever. Or he can even wait till Xavier Worthy clears the number two slant. Um, if he, if he clears that inside linebacker, if he gives it just one more half a second, Bobby, and maybe pump fakes it and then throws it, you might be talking about a house call. Yeah, no, Worthy was wide open and and had about 10 yards between him and the safety. Oh, it was, yeah. Which Worthy can eliminate those kind of angles with his speed. I, yeah. I, I agree. And and but here, here's the point that I would make, right? At 31 of 37, we mentioned mm -hmm. uh, after just an abysmal start. Uh, at one time he was 24 of 25. I mean, he was just he was dialing it up, Rod. <laughs> um, for 346 yards, uh, one TD, two interceptions. They had the issues in the red zone. Uh, that wasn't really on him, in my opinion. Say. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the thing that I'm noticing 
is that's 83%, right? Well, Quinn Ewers on the year, okay, 31 and 37 is 83%. Clearly his best statistical game of the year from that perspective. For the year, he's only 69%. I say only. We went into the year thinking, hey, if he's 65 and above, mm -hmm. Texas is going to be a hard team to beat. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's 69% on the year, 128 of, one, of 184 for 1,704 yards, okay? That really sounds good, 69%. But let me give you this stat, Rod. In his three conference games now, Quinn Ewers is completing 77.9% of his passes. Wow. That's starting – that's going from, hey, he's a good quarterback to elite. You start and, – and because – Texas doesn't have a dink and dunk offense, Rod. I mean, they 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 have some duck drop downs and all this other stuff, but he's throwing deep dig. I mean, deep curls. He's throwing RPOs that are pretty, you know, timely. Yeah. I I feel like, you know, we're what we're watching a young man mature and understand more and more of the offense, acting within it the right way. Mm. And we're seeing a guy that, look, I mean, we, we all said, oh, he has first-round talent. He has first-round talent. Well, that's nice. There have been a lot of people at the University of Texas that had first-round talent that didn't end up, end up in the first in the first round. Yeah. No, you're right about that. He's starting in that – he's starting to mature, I think. And I think that as much as anything – and I've said this on other programs here on Inside Texas and on Texas Football, Rod – He's starting to do that, and that lifts the ceiling of this team even higher if that's really what he's going to be. Yeah, it's more than just flashes now, right? Now right. We're that's to, a great way to put it. You know, he's putting together these consistent just chunks, right, of sample for you. That And Oklahoma game is a great example of it. Like you said, those last three quarters were unbelievable, and now we're starting to see him put it together for extended periods of time, right, uh, multiple quarters at a time. And I – I think for him, what I, what I like about Quinn's game now is that he's so comfortable within the framework of the offense. You're starting to see some of those second reaction plays from him. I'm starting to see those athletic instincts at times, uh, whether it be, and I can point out multiple examples in multiple games. I think that's part of the scrambling too, that he, that that's a comfort level thing with Quinn. Um, when he wasn't comfortable in offense, I think he was almost a little, um, you know, he, he was almost a little too skittish. To, to have that kind of comfort level within the offense operating sometimes, you know, off schedule, second reaction plays, but I'm seeing more of those. And that's why even that game versus Oklahoma, I wish that he'd have had confidence in himself to go, no, I was right. It's not open. Let's hold it for a minute. I got, I got a little time here because he did. And then obviously threw it to Xavier Rorty. Those plays will come. We keep forgetting now that was his, are we talking about 17th start? Something like, something yeah, like 15th, that? 15th or 16th 15th yeah. start. Okay. So we'll be going on his 16th start. We forget. I mean, he's just getting close to a season and a half of starts within the system. And you're already starting to see those types of returns. I think, you know, deeper in the season, and he's not a turnover prone guy. It's actually interesting. The last couple of games, when was the last time he had four turnovers in combined in two straight games? It's been I mean, I can't think to, off the top of my head, but he he's not really prone to that. He's he's usually pretty responsible with the football. He's not careless, but I will admit in the Oklahoma game, right, a lot of turnovers in that game. But I like the way he bounced back. So I like that we're seeing, just like in Oklahoma game, chunks of it, not just flashes. We're seeing chunks, extended sample size of him being an elite quarterback and playing at a really high level.
All right. I want to talk a little bit, too, about some other things going on here around uh, the offense and the defense at the midway point. We're not going to just keep it to quarterbacks. Uh, one of the things that I, I've noticed, uh, Rod, for the Texas offense, uh, Texas offense right now ranked number 13 in the country in yards per game, averaging 486 yards per game. The only Big 12 team ahead of them is Oklahoma at number six. Okay. That's fair. Um, yeah. What's interesting is the only other two teams that, that are in the they're in the Big 12 that are also in the top 25, Texas plays them both in the second half of the year. TCU is at number 16 and Kansas State at number 24. Those two teams may be the only two teams that can score enough to keep up with Texas in a game. Mm. That may be something to look at there. What do you think of, I mean, look, when we were watching Tom Herman's offense, you know, I don't know, watching paint dry or watching Charlie Strong's offense and Sean Watson that couldn't complete a forward pass um, against Notre Dame or Arkansas. Um, what what do you think now of, of Sark's offense? Do you think he's, he's starting to have the trigger man that can make it happen as well as the pieces like JT Sanders, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, et cetera, that can yeah. make it happen? No, it's interesting you talk about that because I've always said the only the, the Sark's offense, his actual offensive philosophy, is the first offense that Longhorn football fans have actually liked right? uh, since Daryl K. Royal. He was running the you know the old wishbone, and because they didn't like Greg Davis's offense, say what they want to say, but they liked B.Y. running the offense. But they didn't like Greg Davis's offense. All I heard was complaints about it all the time. So they actually like Sark's offense, and I do too. It's a modern offense. It has multiple cheat codes in it. Uh, he's always trying to get a creative, innovative edge. And I like that he he steals plays and concepts. Uh, in an Oklahoma game, just random before we get to the, uh, the the subject you were talking about, he actually took some, uh, you know, that cheat motion that the NFL is using. I don't know if you watch a lot of NFL. Using what they call a cheat motion. And it's from the Shanahan tree from Mike McDaniel, actually, uh, with the Dolphins, which is the best offense in the league right now. And Sark used it in this Oklahoma game. Hadn't seen him use it in any game this year. And it's basically getting your fastest players, uh, getting them on the move when the ball is snapped. Basically, like a la the CFL, you want them in motion when the ball is snapped. They call it a cheat motion, and they use a lot of it in an Oklahoma game. So I like the offense. I, the offensive philosophy, nothing wrong with it. It's great. It has gotten um, – it stalled. It stalls situationally. Weird. And, and obviously the red zone is the biggest example of that. I, this is one of the big – I mean, this is a football theory mystery right now as to how – you just said in total offense there are what? 18? Number 13 overall in the country. 13 overall. I would love to know among those 13 teams if Texas has to be the lowest in terms of touchdown percentage in the red zone. Well, they are. They're, they're number 120 in the country in red zone touchdown rate, I believe. It's it's mind-boggling. I don't understand it, Bobby, because you look at all the way. They're going to have three guys drafted in the first two or three rounds in the NFL draft from offense alone in this upcoming draft. We haven't been able to say that on a Texas as a Texas fandom since, I don't know, I mean, mid-2000s potentially. Um, they got the biggest O-line in the Big 12 uh, size-wise, big humans. You got Jonathan Brooks, who right now productivity rises top five running back in the country, a Doak Walker award finalist potentially. Um, I mean, I it, it really is. I, I cannot understand it. There's a lot of different theories we can throw out there, and I think that to me is going to be Sark's biggest challenge because 
going forward, you just talked about the Big 12. There's nobody that can really score with Texas, but you can play bend but don't break. You know they're going to get their yards. You can't. No, that's the Iowa State's of the world. Exactly. Exactly. That's the concern. You know, I think TCU might be able to do some of that because of their secondary. You know, um, Iowa State, like you said, K-State, I don't know if they have the pieces, but there are a couple of teams left on the schedule that may be able to play bend but don't break defense against Texas. I'm not worried about them losing that game. I think Texas can win those types. It's the beauty of this team. And Sark said it. They can win ugly games like that. But I'm concerned that they may make it too close for comfort, bend but don't break defense. That's the formula against Texas now. You you want to you want to play red zone defense against Texas. That's when they're at their weakest. You ain't gonna be able to stop. Don't even bother trying to stop them in between the twenties. That's too tough. Why waste your time? You can just call some blitzes, do some exotic stuff, try to <laughs> try to force some turnovers. But in the red zone, that's where you bow your back. That's where they struggle. So I, I think that's a recipe, Bobby, that they're going to be seeing a lot in, in the Big 12 play. I think U of H is going to try to do it. Everybody's going to try to do it. That's in the red zone is where you try to, you know, bow your back and make your stand against Texas. And unfortunately, you you put out the, the numbers too. I saw the, the article you had on Inside Texas about the field goal attempts for Burt Auburn and more. I think you said it was more touchdowns off explosives outside the red zone than inside, than touchdowns from in the red zone. That's the formula now. And, and Sark's got to figure that out, man. He's got, and that, by the way, that's not Quinn's fault. We're talking about quarterback room. I really hadn't said Quinn's not the issue there. I'm not sure what the issue is. I, I think it's uh, I think it's line blocking, uh, play calling, uh, and most likely uh, at some level, good defense. I mean, what it, what the red zone takes away is a lot of the spreading the field that yeah. Sark likes to do, and what makes his offense successful in the first place. Right. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I also think that there's ways Texas can, uh, that Texas in the red zone can get better. Um, look, look, I mean, Hayden Connor is not a drive blocker, but let's be clear. Connor Robertson is a true fresh or redshirt freshman that was playing. I mean, there were issues in the OU game, uh, but I don't know if those issues carry through when you have other guys in the game. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, more use of Malik Ogbo, maybe in the oh, red man. zone. Bobby, uh, that 6 0 line package really quickly. I gotta tell you right now, it is it might now might be your most productive package. Um, in that Oklahoma game, I'm surprised they used that you should have used it more. I might do a football theory on it actually. Um, they were averaging uh, almost nine yards per play out of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
it was really, really productive in that Oklahoma game, and I'm surprised they didn't use it more. They used to remember they used it a lot in that Kansas game. I think it was 22 snaps of it. I thought it would roll over more into the tech into the Texas OU game, especially with JT Sanders being limited. Um, and they did it. They, I'm not saying they didn't do it at all. Obviously, they did it. I thought they should have done it more based on how productive it was. I don't know if anything was more productive than that 6-0 line package. And they got a chance to throw the football downfield, more importantly. And that's when the Quinn Ewers conversation comes back into the fold. With that extra protection, that insulation of pass protection, those vertical shots downfield, and not not deep, not nine-route, deep routes, uh, uh, post-routes, post-corners. I'm talking about some of those deep curls. Those deep six, these deep in routes he's running, they're running deep out routes. I'm talking about NFL throws. He's really showing off the NFL arm. And those are really tough routes to cover, but you're not supposed to have to cover them at the college level because not every, not a lot of quarterbacks can make those throws and they shouldn't have time to make those throws, number one. But the six O-line package gives you time. But then number two, most quarterbacks don't have the arm talent to just make, to throw 20-yard curls down the field. Quinn Ewers does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's go to the defense a little bit, Rod, and talk about that because Texas is number one in the conference in total defense. That may, given the last uh, 75 seconds of the OU game, that may surprise some people. But Texas is number one in the conference in defense. Number two is Cincinnati. Three is West Virginia. Four is Iowa State. Five is Kansas State. And six is OU. So Texas still has Iowa State and Kansas State on the – on the ballot, so to to be left to play, that means that BYU, Houston, Texas Tech, none of those teams really in that group right now. So Texas offense should be able to have have some success the second half of the season, relatively speaking. However, it may come down to those red zone appearances. Uh, Texas defense, the number one defense right now in the Big 12, and that's kind of surprising because they've already played the Big 12's number one offense in Oklahoma. And that was their worst game. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, it. It, was. Uh, it was. It was. It was and, and it wasn't, I, I said, most, honestly, only in critical situations that we see the breakdowns from Texas. Honestly, Bobby, I would like, and you probably remember this, just recalling the game on the rewatch. I would love to see what PK and the staff are doing about a situational two-minute drill at the end of the halves. Two of their worst drives defensively were basically at the end of the halves. I mean, those might be the worst drives defensively of the game for Texas. Remember the end of the first half, they missed all those tackles. They missed like four or five tackles on one drive. I mean, it was really bad. And Oklahoma kept breaking, uh, breaking contain and getting to the outside. Uh, and then obviously we know the last drive of the game, there was six plays total, five if you take out the pass interference. But six plays total Texas defended based on the knowledge that we have now from Sark and the media availability, by the way. Can we do a sidebar here, here uh, real quick, Bobby? Don't you love how honest Stark is about some of this stuff? It's, he has no problem speaking the truth. He really doesn't. I admire that about them. I don't think we've had – Mac didn't do that. Tom Herman didn't do that. Charlie didn't do that. It, it, it makes our job so much easier. I just want to throw that out there. All right. Anyway, um, but he basically acknowledged that there was a coverage breakdown on the Drake Stoops 20-plus yard reception on that last drive. And we know David Bender already took uh, ownership for the coverage breakdown on the last touchdown drive. He also acknowledged that was a missed tackle by uh, Malik Muhammad on that. Um, I think it was the second uh, play yep. of that last touchdown drive. So if you think about this, of the six plays that they defended, Bobby, they had either a missed tackle, a coverage bust, 
or a, a gap integrity issue. Because remember, uh, Sark also said that basically uh, Terrence Brooks and Ethan Burke ended up rushing the same gap and that that uh, left tackle Oklahoma blocked the same guy. So you had a coverage breakdown, a missed tackle, a penalty, or a gap integrity issue on three of the six plays, the most important drive of the game. That's, eh, that's hard. I, I, I don't know what you do about that if you're a PK, man. You got to fix that problem right away. That's no. By the way, the, the veterans in the, in the secondary as well, that Jaron Thompson, Jade Barron, they got to take ownership of that too. They're young. You playing with Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams? Those are young guys. Not saying that they're the ones that messed it up, but there should be even more onus on communicating and making sure everything is confirmed. So in those crisis situations, Texas defense was at their worst. Yeah, they've got to improve the, the end of half. Uh, half they really do. Uh, maybe be more aggressive, uh, like they were uh, much of the second half, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. You can't, you know, yes, you may give up one over the top, but then, you know, uh, it's better than a death by a thousand cuts, I think, which is what <laughs> happened on Saturday. All right, yeah. uh, Rod, I think that's going to do it for today. I think my overall takeaway is that Quinn, Quinn Ewers right now is kind of maturing before our eyes. Mm -hmm. And if you've completed, he's almost completed 78% of his passes in conference through three conference games. We were hoping for 65 to 70% this year. Okay. Yeah. If he's going to get that, the one thing I will say, the other piece that I wanted to see him do was a four to one TD to interception ratio. Oh, I remember you talking about this. Well, he's 11 and three right now. Okay. And okay. He, he does not have that ratio in conference. Hmm. So keep that in mind. I mean, we need to keep the, these, these turnovers by interception can't continue or else that yeah. can catch catch that as well. But I do think he's 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 improving before our eyes. The Texas offense is potent. The only other two offenses really in the Big 12 that are in their category right now, TCU and Kansas State. Although I think Kansas, uh, if Jalen Daniels is around, could edge back on that. Yeah. Total D uh, right now, uh, Texas first, uh, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Nobody's a great defense probably in the, in the Big 12. Texas the best, but yeah. what that means is it, it, it. The conclusion for me is it's gonna. Texas is a tough out for everybody in this conference. Period. Uh, yes, it, it, without question, right? No and so the idea that Texas might win out here is not far fetched nor unlikely. Even uh, that's, I would be disappointed if they. And I this is I. And I know it's pretty lofty expectations. I'd be disappointed if they didn't win out. Not be and Texas is good, Bobby, but not because Texas is so good. They're good, but the Big Twelve is so down, except for Texas and Oklahoma. I don't remember the Big Twelve, Bobby. You've been you've been covering the Big Twelve longer than me. When was the last time it was this down? Uh, take Texas and Oklahoma out of it. Where are the Where are the quarterbacks? Exactly. Where, where are the quarterbacks hurt. right now? They're, they're either young, like I, I think the TCU kid that we talked about, uh, Josh Hoover, or that I've talked about, Josh Hoover. He's only a freshman. He's going to be good. Okay. Yeah. Baron Morton's going to be good at Texas Tech. He's only a sophomore. I mean, look, they're just young. Other than Dylan Gabriel, Will Howard's not a true passer. Yeah. yeah. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a true passer. So where are Jalen Daniels is hurt? You know, yes, yeah. and I, I think that's whereas you look at out at the Pac-12 right now, oh, and you have adult quarterbacks: Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, 
Shadur Sanders, all yeah, four of those guys, by the way, uh, transfers, right? Oh, wow. That started at their previous schools. Wow. So I I look at it, and in, in my, my take on it is that college football, especially at a, a lower-level league, not the SEC per, perhaps, is to, almost totally quarterback-driven. Amen. And that's also one, one of the reasons why I feel so – good about where Texas is at right now heading into the second section, because I do believe what we've seen from Quinn Ewers in the first six games, if he continues this pace is going to make Texas a very, very difficult out for anybody. I, I, I think that of anything you could hang your hat on right now, it's Sark moving the football uh, most likely with Quinn Ewers guiding it. So, yep. all right, uh, Rod Babers, uh, inside Texas.com on Texas football. Uh, that's going to do it for today's uh, uh, quarterback room uh, discussion. Uh, Jerry Hamilton will be back next week with Rod. We decided to do this one on a Saturday, so people can have a little fun on Saturday uh, while they're watching a little football. Uh, for Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching. Welcome.